0: Our guest this morning is Angelo Pizzo. You know him, recognize him as our own local wonderful screenwriter who's done such productions as Hoosiers and Rudy, and today being Super Bowl Sunday, the the message will focus around the whole theme of uh, Rudy. And so I'm delighted to be able to share a little bit of time with you and with Angelo, so uh, let's just get started. When you find a story, do you have to really sort of fall in love with the story before you start to write the screenplay for that?
1: I have to have a vision of what the movie is in my mind. I have to see myself in a theater and caring and rooting and being connected to that screen. Number two is there has to be something in the story that I personally connect to, that the protagonist is going through that I could relate to in terms of my own personal experiences. So in the case of Rudy, uh, Rudy's journey is really a metaphor for the film business. People telling you there's no chance whatsoever of making it. There are 100,000 screenplays registered at the Writers Guild every year. Someone described the film business as diving into a sea of no's, swimming for an island of yes, you don't even know that it exists. In a way, that was Rudy's story. And one of the first things that I learned in the film business uh, was taught to me by Grant Tinker, who was Mary Tyler Moore's husband, and uh, had MTM Productions. That was a the first company I worked for. And he said, one piece of advice, never personalize rejection in this town. If you personalize no, you're done. And that's one of the things that was admirable about Rudy. And it's really hard for anybody, honestly, whether it's to your work or whether you're applying for a job or you're submitting screenplays, people are going to tell you no all the time. And if you start to think they're right, if you start to think their no's are diminishing you in any way and you start taking that personally, then uh, you're in trouble. It's going to set you back. You're going to lose your energy. You're going to lose your belief. And in Rudy's case, we always described Rudy as someone who's fundamentally incapable of hearing the word no. And he never gave away the power to let other people define him and tell him what he could and couldn't do. So there was something heroic about that maybe unconscious on Rudy's part he was sort of designed and built that way I met very few people like him but the people who were successful in the film business had all of his attributes so that's how I personally connected to him
0: you know, some of the movies that, that have come out of your writing seem to feature the the underdog, you know, the, the, the person or the team that you expect not to succeed here succeeds. Why, why do you think Americans just gravitate toward that kind of a movie?
1: The reason, I think, is that we all feel in, in one way or another that life, that circumstances are working against us. Uh, and they do uh, in, in our day-to-day lives, and we're all having to overcome something. And and I think that when we see uh, protagonist characters that have a tremendous uh, number of obstacles in the way of their goals and their vision for themselves and they somehow overcome and achieve it, it connects something, a wish fulfillment within ourselves. I think the most successful movies are the ones that create the strongest rooting connection between... The audience and in, in the, in the actor or the protagonist. That's part of us up there. Part of us is Rudy. So when, when he fails, we're feeling terrible. But when he f- succeeds, we walk out of the theater with a little lighter in our step. And I think the movies that don't succeed are films that we just don't connect to the story, we don't connect to the character. Even though you can calculate a protagonist with obstacles, it's still like, I'm not Hercules. You know, it's like, you know, it's like, it's too foreign a character. But Rudy's very much like an everyman. He doesn't have any particular gifts. He's not, you know, doesn't have superpowers. He doesn't have super strength. He doesn't have super intellect. He's just an average Joe that figured out to achieve uh, what seemed to be to everybody around him an impossible dream. And I think that's everybody's wish for themselves.
0: Angelo, thank you very much for your time,
1: for all your insight.
0: It's been awesome. Thank you.
1: My pleasure.
0: It's good to see you this morning. That that was a fun time. Uh, We we probably talked for 20, 25 minutes, so you just got a small clip of of all the great information that he had to offer. Can I just, before I get any farther, can I just pause and say thank you to all of you for your kind words, your thoughts, your prayers, your cards, your expressions of sympathy. Uh, My family and I uh, appreciate what you've said to us more than anything I can ever tell you and uh, reminds me again how important being a part of the body of Christ really is. So thank you. It's good that you're here today. Uh, If you're a guest, we welcome you. We are ending up our series at the movies today. Next week, we start a study on the book of the life or out of the book of Daniel on the life of Daniel. So I'd encourage you to come back. It's called Resilient. Well, I know you're all excited about today. The anticipation has been building for weeks. The kickoff to the news feels like it's just moments away. You want to know the outcome. I want to know the outcome. It's the big question of the day. Will we have six more weeks of bad weather? (laughs) Okay, okay, I, I, I know the Super Bowl is also tonight. But before we move on from the old woodchuck, did you know that February the 2nd in ancient Christian History was a holiday in the church commemorating the day that the infant Christ was brought and presented at the temple as recorded in Luke chapter 2. On this day in history, believers would bring candles with them to the church to be blessed in commemoration of or in honor of the fact that Jesus is the light of the world. Now how that evolved into a weather forecasting rodent, I have no idea. And this may surprise you. Scientists have discovered that the groundhog really doesn't understand weather at all. But this evening, two NFL teams who do understand football will square off at 6 o'clock. Okay, how many of you are, are going to be cheering for the 49ers? Yeah. Okay. How many of you are going to be cheering for the Chiefs? How many of you don't care? There we go. That, that's kind of what I figured. Yeah, I'm a Midwest guy. I'm cheering for the Chiefs. By the way, Steve Connor, who was up here to welcome, it didn't tell you, but he used to play for the Bears. So I, I, I know he'll probably be cheer, cheering for both sides, but Steve's a great cheer uh, for, the, for the football. You know, I, I really am looking forward to the game and why not? Look at all the hype, excitement, and financial investment surrounding 60 minutes of 22 sweaty guys chasing, kicking, tackling, passing, rushing up and down a 100-yard field with a one-pound oblong leather ball tucked under an arm. And when all the dust settles from the game, neither the winner nor the loser will impact 99.9% of America. But at the end of the game, it is likely that some player will be hailed a hero. It might be a quarterback, it might be a kicker, it might be a defensive back in the secondary with a key interception, but someone will rise to the top of their game and impact NFL history this evening. That's why in our movie series, we picked the heroic Rudy for today. Rudy is a heartwarming film about a young man with a huge dream who faced insurmountable odds, but became a hero to his family, to his team and to his school. Set right here in the state of Indiana, it is chock full of good things to imitate. More importantly, it has got some biblical principles. It illustrates some biblical principles that you and I don't want to forget. We can't afford to forget that we need to imitate every day. So let me give them to you quickly this morning. Here's the first one. Dream big. Dream big. Rudy had a dream that he never surrendered He wanted to play football for Notre Dame. And it's one of those qualities, this this tenacity that he has uh, of the movie that makes it so endearing. And by, by having a dream, I'm not talking about those restless, crazy moments of sleeplessness when you've eaten pizza way too late in the night. I'm talking about your goals, your vision for the future, your aims, your ambitions, your aspirations. The things that you want to accomplish in life. Because you see, when a dream dies, a part of us dies as well. Mark Twain said it best. He said, don't part with your illusions. When they are gone, you may still exist, but you have ceased to live. Don't lose your dreams. Ask someone how they're doing and occasionally you'll get an answer like this. Oh, I'm living the dream. It's, it's usually said with some sarcasm or a snarky tone in the voice, and, and, and you know they don't mean it that way. And, and I, when I hear that response, I usually want to say, why aren't you living the dream? Why aren't you living out your aspirations and your dreams? Some synonymous wise sage put it this way, dissatisfaction and discouragement are not caused by the absence of things, but by the absence of vision. If you don't have a goal, if you don't have a vision, if you don't have a dream, if you don't have an ambition in life, you, you, you're going to go nowhere. And having a goal is critical. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen says, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law. In other words, when we ignore God's goals for us, when we ignore God's word in our lives, we have no restraint. Our lives are completely out of control, but there is a joy, there is a happiness in applying God's word and, our, and God's wisdom to our daily living. Make that a part of your goal. Paul reminds us how important a goal can be. In Philippians chapter 3, he said, Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, our ultimate goal is to remain faithful to the Lord and follow his lead to the very last breath. But, wow, folks, that's really a general statement. What's your goal in life? To love God. Okay, good, good, but but can you narrow the focus just a little bit? World War II British Field Marshal Montgomery wrote that every single soldier must know before he goes into battle how the little battle he is to fight fits into the larger picture and how the success of his fighting will influence the battle as a whole. Love God, good. But how are you going to accomplish that? What are your goals? Do you have a vision of how your personal goals fit into the big picture? Are you straining toward what is ahead or are you just strolling into the future? Are you pressing on to win the prize or are you standing around waiting for something to happen? You see, we can say it sounds very religious and it sounds very biblical, and it is. Oh, I need to love God. That's my chief goal in life. But how are you going to do that? How you live your life, by the way, impacts others, not just you. So dream big. Dream big. And if you're struggling with the issue of personal spiritual goals, can I make a couple suggestions to you here? First, pray. Ask God to help you determine what his goal is for you. Ask him to give you wisdom on making the right choices. Secondly, talk to other Christians. I've learned that if two or three Christians tell you the same thing, people that you trust and you know, then you ought to listen because maybe God is speaking through them into your life and into your heart. Thirdly, be honest. Take a personal inventory of your talents and God-given abilities. Be honest with yourself. Because I believe God has given every one of us talents and abilities. So see what they are. God has gifted you in specific areas, and it probably follows your passion. So you might ask yourself, what really interests me? What am I passionate about? Because your talents and your abilities often follow what your interests and your passions are. And then fourthly, after you've come up with an idea or a plan, go back to those same believers, those same Christians that you trust, and say, here's what I've come up. What do you think? Does this Fit me. You see, we are called to minister using our gifts where we are with the people God has put in our sphere of influence. So I'll say it again: dream big, give it your best. Anybody can stumble through something small, strive to accomplish something big, something beyond yourself that you must rely upon God to accomplish. I like what Bill Copeland wrote. He said, the trouble with not having a goal is that you spend your life running up and down the field and never scoring. Do you find yourself there? Start dreaming. Set your goals. Get your aim. Figure out what you want to accomplish and dream big. Here's the second thing. Be content with who you are. Be content with who you are. Rudy was an unlikely candidate for Notre Dame football now that didn't stop him from dreaming big and trying to carry out his dream and all through the movie rudy strives to become the football star of his dreams but he finally recognizes the fact that he just doesn't have it physically he doesn't have what it takes to be a great football star and he becomes okay with that i like this brief scene from the from the movie as well watch this i've accepted the fact that god makes some people football players and i'm not one of them he became okay with that But did you hear what his coach's response was? Yeah, but I wish God would put your heart into some of my players. What Rudy brought to the game was a heart and a commitment that was unlike anything else. He may not have been gifted as a great physical player, but he was head and shoulders above everybody else when it came to heart. If you could choose, who would you want to be? What would you like to be and do? What talents and abilities would you pick? If you had somebody that's out there in the world in mind, who would you choose to be if you could? Now you, you got it? You know who I'm talking. You got it in your mind? Who it is? Now let me ask you the question: why? Why? Why would you trade who you are for somebody? else? Why would you rather have somebody else's talents than the abilities and talents that you have? Do you think that God erred in creating you and gifting you as you are? Just because maybe you're not famous, or maybe because you don't have multiple talents like some other people that you see, doesn't mean that you are less important to God. And who knows Your skill, your ability, your talent, the niche that you fill may be more important to God than the person you dream of being. You see, God knows best. God creates us best and gives us what we need to fill his plan, to honor him, to love him, to give back to him. He is a great designer as well as a great gift giver. I don't think God makes mistakes And I'm utterly amazed at God's creative detail, that every person is unique in design and scope and personality and abilities. And you see that throughout his creation. Man, if I had been in charge of creation, first of all, it would have been a mess. Second of all, I think I would have enjoyed the big stuff, but by the time I got done with elephants, rhinos, hippos, giraffes, and blue whales, I think I'd have been too exhausted to go on. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have thought about insects, period. Maybe, maybe exotic butterflies because they bring such a beauty to this world. Or if I'd have thought about how good honey was, I'd have probably come up with the honeybee, but that would have been it. Beetles? Nah. Who needs beetles? I wouldn't have bothered. But God bothered. And it's a good thing. Entomologists tell us, that beetles not only make up the largest order, but are, without any doubt, the most important organisms on the planet. Did you know that? They range in size. The Colombian featherwing beetle is, is the smallest. It is one one-hundredth of an inch. At the opposite end of the spectrum is the six-and-a-half-inch Brazilian longhorn beetle that can snap a pencil in its jaws. Yeah. Do you know that there are over 500,000 beetle species that have been identified and cataloged. And scientists are now convinced that there are probably more like 12 million species, most of which we, we don't know, we haven't discovered, we haven't found. I'd have stopped after two, maybe one. 500,000 that we know of. And my favorite, my favorite of all of them is the bombardier beetle, which has no peer in the insect world. As a matter of fact, there's nothing like it else in creation. Now, picture a hungry toad about to flick his sticky tongue at an unsuspecting beetle, but before old Hoppy can even open his mouth, his face is blasted with a hot, noxious chemical spray. Thus, the name Bombardier Beetle. Its abdomen, are you ready for this? The beetle is less than an inch long. Its abdomen is equipped with a combustion chamber. When threatened, the inlet valve opens and two volatile chemicals along with two catalysts combine to create an explosive reaction. The pressure builds inside the reaction chamber until the chemical concoction inside this beetle reaches 221 degrees. The outlet valve opens, and a swivel turret allows the beetle to spray that concoction in any direction with amazing accuracy. And it's not one continuous spray, but several hundred per second to keep the chamber from overheating and the beetle from exploding. After years of research, science has no idea how the beetle does it, cannot understand how it makes the chemicals are the catalysts or stores such explosive chemicals in the body. But I'll tell you this, the beetle has inspired several new patents that help different aspects of industry. I'm amazed. You see, God designed the bombardier beetle with a distinct purpose. There's nothing else like it. Now, I'm going to tell you, too, God loves his insect creation, but not like he loves us. He loves us so much that he sent his son to pay the penalty for our sin that we might live with him forever. So in light of Christ's sacrifice, is it reasonable to think, folks, that if God would take such incredible pains to design a one-inch beetle, that he would somehow look, overlook you, that he would leave you without a designed purpose or a gift to be used for his purpose in this life? Don't second-guess God. He has a plan and a purpose for each of us that makes you unique in this world and unique in his kingdom. Consider these scriptures. Isaiah 64, 8. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of your hand. Ephesians two ten. For we are God's workmanship. We. We. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 1 Peter 4.10, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Embrace who you are, who God created you to be. And choose then to use your God-given passions, your God-given talents, your God-given abilities to serve and make a difference for him. Last thing, persevere. Persevere. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't fumble the ball. Persevere. Now, in the movie, Rudy is ready to give up. That's why I love that clip of, of him and fortune talking. When fortune pours out his heart to Rudy, it it, it changes his trajectory. It changes the outcome of the movie. What I want you to understand is that perseverance isn't always about being up or having a perfect attitude. It's about working through those negative and pessimistic times without giving up. And seldom do we do it alone. Where would Rudy have been without fortune? He'd have given up. We need each other because life's challenges will grind us down to nothing. Dr. Eleanor Kinnarty said the average person has more than 200 negative thoughts that come into our minds every day. Worries, jealousies, insecurities, cravings. And when those go uncared for, when those go without being aided to get rid of it leads to depression. When you get to depression, you have more than 600 negative thoughts pass through your mind every day. Now, you can't can't keep negative thoughts from coming into your mind, but you can keep from focusing on them and ruminating on them. Use your opportunity with others to help get past the negativity. That's why the church matters, Does God need to have the church in order to be able to understand what's going on in your heart and life? Absolutely not. Does God need the church to understand the the faith that is in your heart and mind? No, he doesn't. Does God have to have the church in order to find a role for you to do in his kingdom? No, God doesn't. But I need the church, and you need the church. Because it is when we surround ourselves with one another that we can survive through this Tough life. I need the church because the church gives me a role to accomplish in the kingdom and strengthens my faith to overcome my doubts and encourages my heart with hope for every tomorrow. Hebrews 3.13 says, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Sin's deceitfulness is the negativity that overwhelms us at times. But the church We together can help each other survive. We need each other. And that's why Scripture refers to the church as the bride of Christ and the family of God, two of the most endearing and enduring relationships in the world. Don't miss the opportunity to be encouraged. Don't miss the opportunity to be an encourager to somebody else. Everybody can encourage. And don't ever underestimate the power of an encouraging word. It may come when and where you least expect it, but it may change everything. Five years ago this month, I had the privilege of attending the National Prayer Breakfast in Washington, D.C. It was one of those bucket list imagining kind of moments for me. It was a truly wonderful experience. And, and afterward, I walked through the cold, bitter D.C. wind to catch the subway back to the hotel where I was staying. And I'm standing on the subway platform waiting for the next train when a young man about Oh, 20-something, stepped over, looked me up and down. I could see him out of the corner of my eye. I wasn't making eye contact at this point in time. makes me a little uncomfortable. And I was wearing a very plain black top coat that was older than he was, okay? I had the collar turned up against the wind, and then all of a sudden I hear him say, "Mm, I like your style. Now, folks, you need to understand, nobody has ever accused me of having style, <laughs> let alone liking it. Startled, I turned quickly and thanked him for his kind words. And, and, and then this is, <laughs> this is what he added. You know, you could get any woman you wanted with a style like that. <laughs> now, I'm not sure what rating system he was using at that point in time, But again, I thanked him. I told him that I was married and had found my one true love. But I'll tell you, folks, when that subway train hit that platform, I stepped on with a swagger. (laughs) And I kept my collar turned up because I had style. One word of encouragement. Changed a gray, bitter, cold day on a subway platform to something that I have chuckled about all these years. Do you see what I'm trying to tell you this morning? To persevere, we need encouragers around us, and that's what the body of Christ is. Jesus persevered even to the cross for us. Let us give our best for him in return. Victory awaits, folks, when we dream big, when we find contentment in our own skin, and when we persevere for Jesus. Let me pray with you. Father, we thank you for the day. Lord, we thank you that you have created us unique as individuals to make a difference in this world for you. So help us to dream big. Plant those ambitions and goals in our mind and our heart. Help us to be content with who you've created us to be, knowing that we as we are, are the best that we can be. And Father, help us to persevere. Thank you for your church that lifts us up with words and deeds of encouragement may you be glorified in all that we do in Christ we pray amen thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church did you know you can view any message from the past 6 years
1: at socc.org/messages you can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv